Hi. A good night indeed. Hello, everybody. Good to have you here. Doing our thing as we usually do every night at 7 o'clock, but not quite. 6.56 to be exact on the East Coast, the only time zone. Everybody else is just trying to keep up. I, um, I hope, I hope against hope that you are, um, you're having a good day. It was a nice summer day today. Good and hot. Hovering around 90 degrees, but the humidity was low, so it was just, it was nice. I was able to get outside a couple of times after I finished working on the show, and then Aurora woke up from her nap that she never fell asleep for, and then uh, brought her outside, worked out a little bit, got nice and sweaty, and then I had to go outside again with, uh, with Aurora, and we got to do some other things. So... But she got to spend her morning at the beach. Lucky devil. And I um, and I think we have a really good show here tonight. On this Tuesday, the 11th of July. And what do we have? Well, it's going to be you and I tonight. So I think that we're going to be able to do some good calls. I'm going to open up the lines. We're going to be talking about a number of things. I have a grab bag, the regular old grab bag that's lined up. There's some stuff there. You can always call in. On stuff that that um, that makes you wonder. On that end, and then what else we have? And then I also have some other things. That's right. There's there's one uh, thing over here about the the sea. A dip in the ocean this summer. No thanks. Talking about all the horrors at sea these uh, this year. I want to know if you have any creepy or strange or overwhelming ocean stories. I don't know. Uh, I think that just being out on a on a boat at night in the middle of the ocean, far away from shore, where you look over the edge and there's you just see blackness. There's just nothing there. You can't even can't even make out water on a moonless night. That's the kind of stuff that gets me just in itself. So if you have any unsettling ocean stories, I want to hear about it tonight. There's also this story from a couple of, uh, maybe about a week or so ago, that I, I thought it was just fascinating. And it's going to bring up a question. Bring up a question about uh, the best investments you ever made. Something you bought, something you bought that you took advantage of, and it really paid dividends. And you were able to just, use, you just overused it. And you never uh, regretted getting it or something, whatever. You'll see, it'll make perfect sense when we get there. So we're going to talk about best investments ever made in your life. Any and all strange, weird, horrifying ocean stories. And then I have a lot of correspondence in the mailbag that I'm going to be pulling out in the um, in the second half. Just people who have written into the show about different topics that we've discussed in the last week or two. And uh, there's a nice mix there. I, I'm sure that a, a lot of it will bring up memories and it will also bring up thoughts. And, and that's what it's all about, I guess. All right. So what else do we have? 
anything before I get into this grab bag? No, I think that's it. T tomorrow, I can't wait to. to uh, I think most of the show is already written tomorrow, with Grace, with really graceful. So much, you know what she does? That series, that ongoing series, something strange is happening in the United States, and she just go. It's just pretty much a conga line of of news and strange occurrences and all that. Well, we're just gonna be doing that in a live setting tomorrow, which I, I can't wait because she's a really great news curator and you, you just know her, her perspective on things and she always asks uh, the most poignant questions to be asked. So hopefully we'll be able to get the audience involved with that. Um, and then on Thursday, Michael Collins of Wandering Wolf Productions will be talking about his ventures into the woods and all around the, the country and trying to piece together the, the uh, puzzles of the past megalithic structures, ancient ancient relics of long erased civilizations and nations so that'll be nice and that'll be the last show of the week because Friday I'm off and then we kick off next week with Jay Gulanello, which is going to be um, I mean I have too many topics I'm going to have to prioritize these topics with Jay because he, it's been, a, I don't know, it feels like two months since he's been on so I don't know. Oh, I don't know. That's from old 3D Movie Maker from Windows 95. You guys remember that? Does anybody ever play around with 3D Movie Maker from Windows 95? Oh, that's a... That, that, talk about relics. That's a relic in itself. Oh, what I would do to have any of those movies that my brother made with 3D Movie Maker. All right, let's go. Thank you so much again to my sponsors. All of them on QuiteFrankly.tv, but chief among them. BlueMonsterPrep.com Go and get right with your cupboards. Get right with those empty those empty nooks in your basement. They need supplies there. Very understated and unannounced and uh, don't tell anybody that you're stacking or anything like that. Just make sure that you do what you can. So BlueMonsterPrep.com, go and check out the wonderful catalog of stuff that they have there on the website and use promo code FRANKLY. All right, now we're going to jump into our grab bag. Here we go. First one up is from Zero Hedge. You might have heard about this. Larry Nasser. The last call that we had with Frank and Jim Zell was about Larry Nasser. Truly incredible update back, I think, I think is the last day of May, if not the first day of June. Former gymnastics doctor for the U.S. Olympics, Larry Nasser, has been stabbed multiple times during an altercation with another inmate in a federal prison in Florida. According to the Associated Press, the attack happened on Sunday at United States Penitentiary, Penitentiary Coleman in Florida. Nasser was in stable condition Monday, according to two people familiar with the matter. Joe Rojas, a prison union leader, told NBC News that Nasser was stabbed twice in both the neck and the back and another six times in the chest. It probably wasn't a very big blade. Nasser is serving decades in prison for convictions in state and federal court. He admitted sexually assaulting athletes when he worked at Michigan State University and USA Gymnastics, which trains Olympians. Separately, Nasser pleaded guilty to possessing child pornography. During victim impact statements in 2018, several athletes testified that over the course of Nasser's more than two decades of sexual abuse, they had told adults what was happening, including coaches and athletic trainers, but it went unreported. 
Over 100 women, including Olympic gold medalist Simone Biles, sued the federal government for more than $1 billion over the FBI's failure to stop Nasser when the agency became aware of the allegations against him in 2015. He was arrested over a year later by Michigan State University Police. That FBI, man. Always there, always there to serve and protect. Serve and protect and do nothing with valuable information, actionable intelligence. So, this is just a couple of weeks after we learn that NAS- this is in itself is, is news, but it's only a couple of weeks after we learn that Larry Nasser was one of the last people that Jeffrey Epstein wrote to in a time of desperation. In the final days of his life, in a time of desperation, he was not resigned to killing himself. He was trying desperately to get out, pleading with the court system, offering up huge sums of money. He was not suicidal. And one of the last people he wanted to reach out to was Larry Nasser. So... Uh, that's that's pretty incredible pretty incredible you can draw whatever conclusions or ask whatever questions you'd like to ask there's plenty to be asked and now he's stabbed which to be honest a, a who cares and it is also very consistent with how prison justice is doled out but the timing is is pretty incredible though what was being done about it was anybody really prying into who maybe somebody was prying into this connection between Nasser and uh, and Epstein to try to talk to Nasser as to uh, you know why was Epstein coming you know the, especially a guy in his position perhaps he would like to if anybody was really wanting to get to the bottom of some things here well can you barter with Nasser for a safer cell something like that anyway the timing is suspect that made everybody, uh, you know, their their brows quirk because of how recent the news was about this really incredible connection. But other than that, it is good just to remember that this is just consistent with how the public has learned prison justice is doled out, especially for people who are um, doing time for the things that Larry Nasser was doing. Uh, so, all things to consider. Here's another one for you, July 10th, 2023. From WGN9, Chicago. Main suspect in 1982 Tylenol murders, found dead. The sole suspect in the 1982 Tylenol murders was found dead on Sunday, according to the Chicago Tribune. Tribune investigative reporters Christy Gutowski and Stacey Sinclair who conducted a long investigation into the mystery, reported that sources told them prime suspect James Lewis died at his suburban Boston home at the age of 76. In September 1982, fear gripped the Chicago area at the country and the country after seven suburban residents died due to taking Tylenol that was laced with lethal doses of potassium cyanide. Copycat killings followed later in the United States. Lewis was a tax consultant who sent a letter to Johnson & Johnson and said that he would stop the killings if the, co- uh, the company paid him a million dollars. He was convicted of extortion and spent 12 years in prison, but investigators never found hard evidence to tie him to the poisonings. Uh, he sent a letter to Johnson & Johnson and said he would stop the killings if the company paid him a million dollars, but the investigation never found hard evidence to tie him to the poisonings. I wish I could have somebody explain that one to me. 
The FBI, here's a quote, the FBI went through some of his stuff and found the handbook of poisons, St. Clair told WGN News last September. And in the years since, they have fingerprinted that book. And on page 196, the page that included information how, uh, on how much cyanide is needed for a fatal dose in an average human being, they found Jim Lewis's fingerprint. Now, is that still circumstantial? Pretty unique circumstances. At around the same time Gutowski and St. Clair spoke with the WGN News last fall, they said the FBI just returned back from interviewing Lewis near Cambridge, Massachusetts. The former federal prosecutor who put Lewis behind bars for the extortion told the Tribune that he was regretful Lewis was never held accountable for the killings. Quote, I was saddened to learn of James Lewis's death, Jeremy Margolis told the Tribune, not because he's dead, but because he didn't die in prison. The victims were Mary McFarland, Mary Kellerman, Paula Prince, Mary Lynn Reiner, and, Jan- and the Janice family, Stanley, Adam, and Terry. Well, if there's one more Mary in there, I would say that it's, uh, I don't know, all those Marys. My screens are still blinking. Anyway. Chicago Tribune investigation stated that investigators believe Lewis tampered with Tylenol for revenge. In 1974, his five-year-old daughter died after sutures used to fix her heart defect tour. The outlet reported they were made by a subsidiary of Johnson & Johnson, which also makes Tylenol. Lewis denied being the killer repeatedly. So if you have anything on that, um, let me know. That's an interesting one. I should... Um, Set this aside, we have some really interesting uh, true crime guests that are coming on soon outside of the Zells. Here's one again from the NATO front. Zelensky slams Biden's unprecedented and absurd stance on NATO membership. What is that stance? Ukrainian President Zelensky tore into NATO leaders, including President Biden, on Tuesday for not extending membership to his war-torn country. Uh, introducing fresh diplomatic... He must be on drugs. I mean, how many drugs is the real question? How many types of drugs is he on? That he's upset that they are not declaring... That that the world is not declaring war on Russia. Because that is what NATO admittance is over here. Now, it's, it's sick enough to hear them say that Ukraine will be fast-tracked into NATO once the war is over, as if there's going to be anything left of NATO as it is right now with its ties right now without it at least being neutral or I guess subdivided and given to other Eastern European countries. I don't know what the hell's going on. But even the assumption that they're going to get out of this um, without some major, major catastrophe that is just foisted upon the world um, is just incredible that they're still doing this. Zelensky slammed the uh, the reticence as weakness and absurd just moments after Biden referred to the development of a new language regarding his country's potential NATO ascension. Quote, now on the way to uh, Vilnius, or Vilnius, we receive signals that certain wording is being discussed with, without Ukraine, and I would like to emphasize that this wording is about the invitation to become NATO member, not about Ukraine's membership. It's, unpre- it's unprecedented and absurd when a time frame is not set neither for the invitation nor Ukraine's membership, while at the same time, vague wording about conditions is added even for inviting 
Ukraine. He's he's nuts. This guy's nuts. It's the drugs talking. I don't know what. what I mean, he's he's obviously in crisis. Um, and there you have it. So over here stateside, this is the last thing I'll throw out there before we kick off the show and jump out of the pre-show. Here is a State Department spokesperson who is saying the right things, but the press corps is actually coaching him back into what is supposed to be said about Ukraine. Take a listen to this. I think it's it's uh, it's really incredible. It's 27 seconds long, and it is the closest you're going to get to, to truth coming out of the White House. A, a few things. So I will say, uh, with respect to your first question, we believe the war has been a strategic failure for Ukraine. Uh, the secretary spoke to this in a speech he gave in Helsinki uh, last month, I believe it was. Uh, what's that? So, I'm sorry. A strate- excuse me. A stra- so they say, uh, you mean a strategic uh, failure for Russia, right? Right. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And what does he do? He goes to correct himself, and he says he says the same thing over again, which happens to be the truth. Stra- excuse me. A strategic failure for for Ukraine. Um, thank you for the correction. Um, uh, which is oh, I, I I need more than one cor- correction today. A strategic. This is the first time at the podium for for a week. I'm a little. Ru- I'm apparently a little rusty. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little rusty. You know, when I step away. Away from the podium, I'm actually able to speak truth to people away from the... Uh, I, I keep forgetting that we are supposed to do the inverse of everything while we're here talking to the press. My bad. Forgot that this is the inverse room. So look at that. That is just... In 27 seconds, two corrections. The same correction. He could... Hey, you know... Um, I, I just think that's funny. That you have this guy that is representing the intelligence representing the intelligence on the matter and the press is there to ask questions and perhaps i don't know try to get a better understanding of things and they're there to remind him just remind him no 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 no. this has been a strategic failure for russia which is obviously uh not the case not the case now if you're talking about strategy failures for russia you might say that they just they went too easy but uh, you you can tell that they've wanted to not kill as many people as could have been killed uh collateral damage wise because you you know you, you need to have something left over and it's mostly russians in those eastern provinces um so it's um it's just incredible to watch these people work and the thing that this guy makes six figures whoever this weenie is makes six figures because of us we bust our ass they steal from us they pay it to this weenie and they have their this is their play this is their summer play that they're putting on getting ready for the um the fall production i'm sure so i I, it's sickening but little things like this is uh, is you know chuckle worthy all right ladies and gentlemen we'll be right back we're gonna get this one kicked off we're gonna start talking about the ocean first and then we'll move on to other things set the table for you and all of your calls and uh, yeah, remember the, the the number is 914-200-0269. And also on the Gilded tonight, I'm already in there working the on-air call section in the quite lobby. You'll see it in the Gilded chat. We have the general waiting room. That's where you just sit in there. You want to just uh, comment on whatever. Uh, we have the first time callers line and the international calls line. Those are always there. And tonight, two specialty lines Ocean Stories, and Best Investments. 
You'll be able to use those. And as you have heard in the last week or so of starting to integrate the Gilded Calls like we used to do with the, uh, the old Discord, the sound quality is incredible. So I would really suggest you go on over there, and it's a great way to skip the line on, uh, on the phone calls. The 914 number from time to time. You know, there's a bottleneck that goes on over here, and uh, it's very, very, very um, exclusive company on the Gilded right now, so take, take advantage of it being a very fresh thing. We will be right back. Don't go anywhere. stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! ask you something in the summertime in the summer in the city when it is getting just gritty and dirty and sticky outside and I mean I I wash my face I don't know how many times a day during the summertime especially during that time of that time of the day where you've um you're just you're just going at it and you're doing your work and you're going outside and you're sometimes some of you work outside so you know that that point in a really muggy summer day where it feels like someone just took a big palmful of Crisco and went <laughs> and just smeared it all over your face and you just feel like crap. Well, I gotta ask you, once once that Crisco feeling sets in, you're like, you know, I gotta go throw some water on my face. Do you include the creases of your arms? Because I do. I go, I, it's, it's the face, it's the face, it's right over the dome, it's back behind the head, behind the ears, behind the neck, a full, a full refreshing, and it, it, it feels amazing. But then I also go up the arms into the, uh, into the creases of the arms. Do you, do you, do you get that, into the arm crease? Because that, the, the stickiness there, I hate that too. Whenever I do a freshen up, I always include the arms, so uh, I want to know... That's a very important question. Do you do that this time of year? Please tell me. Please. Please. Um, all right. Absolutely, some people say. Absolutely. Lancelot said that. I'm looking at some people in the in the general chat right now. Yes. So that's good. Bird bath, people are saying. Mark Swan doesn't do anything. Oh, oh Mark Swan says, don't forget to wipe the balls, Frank. 
That's, you can't, that, that's a lot harder to do. Just f- flop them over the, the sink. That's yeah, a lot harder to do just like multiple times a day. You can't. You have to pick and choose your times for that. Oh, and there he is. Moon Bunny says the loins. Don't forget the loins. Yeah. <laughs> it's very. Uh, Rick, uh, Ricky Lynn says in under the boobs. Between the boobs. Says Schmoopaloo. Okay. There you go. F and Frank says and don't forget the ball. Okay. So there. there okay. That's at Whore's Bath, so I said. Well, well, you know, it's not, I guess, I can tell you other things that it's called. But uh, I'm not going to get too uh, offensive right now. Because it's still early in the show, and I don't want to scare anybody away if they're trying to give me a chance here. For the first time, for the last time. All right, so here's what I have. I want to, um, I want to put this out there with you. First one up is a story from the ocean. Now, we had the Titanic thing, which I got to say... Somebody finally said what I thought might have happened. I'll start with this one first. This is from the, the, the New York Post. The Titan sub, the victims likely realized their fate between 48 and 71 seconds before the deaths. And that is what I was telling people too. Mostly off air and shit when, it was, when we were talking about this. Because, you know, everybody was really resting on that. Oh, well, at least it was instantaneous. I said, you know, um, yeah, it was instantaneous when it happened, but you... You, you don't think that there was not something going wrong? Imagine that. If you're just in a free fall and you know that something's happening or you you hear just a little bit of a something giving way, a crack, something, the way the integrity of this thing has uh, has broken. There's a lot more. There's probably a lot more hell there. Now, the worst scenario would have been actually laying on this, the bottom of the ocean until until air ran out. Because you're talking about all types of grossness from people going to the bathroom, there being no place to go to the bathroom, uh, I mean, the, the being pitch black, all that stuff, the, na- the, the blaming each other, the, the crime, I mean, it, it'd be, it's horrible. I'm telling you, um, I get more uneasy about ocean adventures than space adventures. 100%. Uh, five people who perished aboard the Ocean Gate submersible were likely aware the impending implosion between 48 and 71 seconds before it occurred, according to an expert who likened the scenario to a horror movie. Spanish engineer and underwater expert Jose Luis Martin offered a timeline for the Doom Titan's final moments before it was destroyed on June 18th, less than two hours into its dive to the Titanic shipwreck. During the controlled immersion of the Titan, there must have been an electrical fault, which left the craft without thrust. Without thrust, the weight of the passengers and the pilot, about 400 kilograms, uh, which was focused on the front end, close to the viewport, would have disrupted the Titan's longitudinal stability. So it would have started dropping uh, port, you know, porthole end down. Everybody standing, oh man, you know. He said he believes the deadly malfunction occurred at the depth of around 5,500 feet. At this point, the submersible begins to fall headlong toward the seafloor, and with control and safety functions damaged, it can no longer be maneuvered. So um, you can only imagine everyone rushes and crowds on top of each other. The fear, the agony. It must have been like a horror movie. 
during and it could have happened anywhere between 48 to 71 seconds of free fall before the whole thing happened so I, i'm glad someone said it because yeah the the actual thing might have been quick but everything else jeez it's just better we don't know here's another thing that's happening though um Yahoo put this one out. A dip in the ocean this summer? Will you be doing it? No thanks, says this author, Maura Judkiss. She says, try not to think about the ocean because if you're the type of person prone to listless anxiety, a simple question, what's a submersible? Where do orcas live? It might make you, it might take you to a deep, dark place. A place like the Hadle Zone, named for the Greek god of hell, the Hadle? I don't know what the Hadel. Oh, Hades. I guess Hadel. Hadel zone. Named for the Greek god of hell, where there is absolutely no light and only creatures that can survive the crushing pressure are characterized by their transparent, gooey skin. Or maybe a place off the Gulf of Mexico called the Hot Tub of Despair, an underwater lake full of methane that kills any organism that enters it. Or perhaps a remote part of the Pacific Ocean that has earned the nickname White Shark Cafe. We are having a Jaws girl summer. It's giving Moby Dick energy. We are in our ancient Mariner era. It is the era mo- the ocean is more terrifying than, and than usual this year. Or are we suddenly just more aware of how terrifying the ocean can be? No, I'm, I'm, I've always been very fascinated and terrified by the ocean. Although I'd rather be out on the ocean than in the jungle at night, I think. I've had this conversation with friends before. And um, and it led me to think that I would oh no I would probably definitely go and be in the jungle, than in the ocean, and then I realized no no, I think I'd be in the ocean. Both terrifying prospects, but if I was on the surface of the water, that's better. I don't want to be underneath it. On the surface, fine, but the jungle is just too much. The depths, the real deep parts of the jungle where every insect can probably kill you, make your legs swell up to the uh, the, the, the trunk of a redwood, but. Um, But still, here is an illustrative roundup of recent horrors. Orcas have trained one another to attack boats off the coast of Spain and Portugal. We covered that. Over the 4th of July holiday, four people were bitten by sharks on New York beaches, and approximately 200 people needed to be rescued from rip currents in Virginia and North Carolina. A man on a fishing trip to Freeport, Texas Beach last month arrived to discover that tens of thousands of dead fish had washed ashore. Homes in the Outer Banks are toppling into waves. Don't forget the beach where severed human feet wash ashore on a regular basis in northwest Washington County that recently announced it was crowdfunding an investigation to identify a recent set of remains. What? Severed human feet? Is it more than one pair? Or two feet, but they just come from different bodies. So you know. Oh, man, I, I, I didn't know about that one. Or the awful video of the teen who jumped off the party boat in the Bahamas in May only to be swallowed up by the inky black water and never seen again. I did see that. I, I saw that. Or the fact that Japan is planning to release more than 1 million cubic meters of treated radioactive water, approximately 500 Olympic-sized swimming pools, an amount that is considered safe. From the 2011 Fukushima nuclear disaster into the Pacific this, this summer. Then there was the Ocean Gate catastrophe, which made millions of people ponder the specifics of an excruciating death. Trapped at the bottom of the ocean in a claustrophobic metal coffin-like tube in a dark, bla- in a dark blacker than any night, with 96 hours of oxygen left to contemplate the unlikelihood of rescue and your imminent suffocation. 
What actually happened was no less horrific, but somehow seemed kinder. Being crushed to death in milliseconds by as much as 6,000 pounds of pressure per square inch. In the ocean, that's a good way to go. That's what Alexandria Neonakis uh, realized during the days she spent transfixed by the submersible crisis. At every step, every fact that you learned about it, the video game controllers, the strange knocking noises, the fact that it was bottled shut from the outside was so much worse and kept getting worse. Social media just enabled that to go even crazier. Oh, let me just tell you right now. I, it, it wasn't, there's nothing about this submersible anywhere anymore. So popping up in my suggested, but 99% of my YouTube is all Titanic videos. I didn't know that YouTube was 67% Titanic videos. I just didn't know it. Behind the scenes of the movie, all of Robert Ballard's earlier footage, the, the, the breaking news, all of James Cameron's dives and, sh and shit like that, deleted scenes upon deleted scenes I've never seen. All, of course, the, the shorts and the theories about... Uh, the Olympic and Titanic switches and um, everything that has to do with covering lost vessels and stuff. It's, it's, um, if you ever needed to know why, if you ever wanted to understand why so-called artificial intelligence is being able to learn about the way that we think and the way that we fixate on things, how one thing leads to the other, did you have to just check out these algorithms and how it learns from the way that one thing leads to another with us. It's incredible. But that's the other thing, too. Um, usually at the end of, the, of any evening, let's say I, I go to bed on average around know, 12.30 on a bad night, 1 o'clock. It used to be 2.30, 3 o'clock. I was up working, and, and that was before Aurora was born, and I knew those nights were over. And thank God for it because it, it, it didn't do anything well for me because I was still waking up early, too. So that wasn't going to work out. But anyway, at the end of the night when I've finished working i've read a little bit i've taken a shower and i'm just laying around i've got a couple more minutes left in my eyes i'll i'll go on instagram or i'll go on on youtube and i'll just let the reels and let the shorts go and there are nights i would say i don't know maybe seven nights out of ten that they uh, they put me into hysterics with the wheeze laughing they are hilarious and it's just the th kind of thing I like going to bed, something nice and, and light and fluffy. And then there are other nights where I say, all right, that's it for tonight. The, the reels, they get terrible sometimes. Last night, I actually saw a shark attack. Horrible. It was a horrible thing. Somebody was, was caught out there um, maybe about 50 to 60 yards out from the shoreline screaming for their father, and you just think, you just see him get wrestled under the water and that was it. it horrible and there's other things there i mean the, the shark attack the the unrepentant murderers being sentenced in court horrible shit the, the strange door cam footage forget about it so once i started seeing that i said all right well i guess the uh i guess the the roulette tonight is not going to be a happy one but um but you know, I, I think that a lot of the shark attack stuff and a lot of the ocean stuff is related to the the things that's been happening in the water, out on the water. So I want to ask you guys and gals, do you have any creepy ocean stories? Uh, anything weird, horrific? It could also just be all, you're awestruck by something. You were, I, I know, whatever, something. Did, did you come in contact with a, a uh, humpback whale 
where it got so close and you realized how much bigger it was than you that you were just terrified even though you were also just I want to know more about that so you let me know I have a specialty line that's up on the Gilded like I said that is Ocean Stories I would love to hear from you there and also on quite frankly uh, open up line that's 914-200-0269 just come on through that'll be a little bit of a wild card over there and we'll take whatever we get and then we have this then we have this here's a headline from June in 1990 Tom Stucker bought a lifetime pass from United Airlines for $290,000 he has since flown 23 million miles and calls the purchase the best investment of his life now you say whoa back in 1990 if you had $290,000 to spend and you saw that United Airlines was making this uh, uh, available for you to get in there for a lifetime pass. They'll never ask you for another dime again. Obviously, if you're buying food or if you're checking luggage, I'm sure you have to do that. But as far as your miles go, he has since flown 23 million miles and calls to purchase the best investment of his life. He isn't your typical frequent flyer, while many travelers speak fondly of stays at luxury resorts and the first-class seats they book using airline miles. Stucker is in a class of his own. He's a car dealership consultant from New Jersey who has flown 23 million miles, which Rick Riley said in Washington Post column that uh, was more than any other person in history. In 1990, United Airlines advertised a lifetime pass for $290,000, and Stucker quickly snagged the offer. Now, 33 years later, Stucker frequently enjoys his favorite perch in seat 1B. He told the Post that he spends 12 consecutive days without touching a bed after he flew. He, he spent 12 consecutive days without touching a bed after he flew from Newark, New Jersey, to San Francisco, and then to Bangkok and Dubai. Only, he only spent time outside of the friendly skies while visiting the airport lounges. So he was just literally hopping from airports to airports, having drinks in different countries. I mean, why not, right? Those are, that sounds like some great stories. Stucker, now 69 years old, told the Post that he frequent travel, uh, uh, his frequent travels were driven by the accumulation of airline miles. Best investment of my life, he said. Stucker said that he knew early on that frequent flyer miles weren't uh, just a way to get more flights. He also went up, uh, he ended up selling and trading miles with others. He told the Post that he once used miles to obtain so many gift cards that he was able to renovate his brother's home. United no longer extends such passes to its flyers, according to the Post. He even won an auction years ago, bidding 451,000 miles to be a guest on an episode of NBC's Seinfeld. Stucker told the New York Post, or, or the Washington Post, that he had been to 100 countries and had more than 120 honeymoons with his wife. And United, oh, that's great. And United has embraced Stucker, asking for his input in crafting the menu at their Polaris clubs and keeping the Mercedes ready. Keeping a Mercedes ready on the airport tarmac if Stucker needs to make a quick connection. According to the Post, representatives on United's 800 number even recognize Stucker. That level of service seems almost mythical, but Stucker is still reaping the benefits of his 1990s era pass that has truly put the world at its fingertips. 
Hmm. That is just, uh, I, I love this story. I love this story. Now, I don't care what pops up for you guys if you've ever done anything like Tom Stucker before. Uh, if you had these types of, this kind of leniency, I know some of my friends, uh, my, my buddy, my buddy Siad, we all call him Gypsy, he had a travel uh, blog for a while called The Standby Gypsy, and that was, that was his on-air name over here at the studio for many years. He was a partner at the studio for, uh, for years until he, until he went off for, to do other things, and he was, his personality was the Standby Gypsy. And he worked for, he worked for JetBlue and a few other places, and he would often fly standby and just take free flights all over the place. He would go to Paris, he would go to Central America, and they, they, he would link up with other people who were doing the same things, and they would call themselves tribes. Like they would just meet up in far-off lands because they're flying standby or they have some kind of an arrangement like Tom Stucker over here. But... Um, Talk about the gift that keeps on giving. Now, it wasn't gifted to him. He paid $290,000, but at the end of it, you have to imagine that he has made, he has made and or spent so much more than that. So I, again, I just throw, I offer you this story, if anything pops up for you based on this story, or just a generalized question of the best investment you've ever made in your life, where you put a little bit down, made a little bit of a sacrifice, and then you just reap the whirlwind that um that is so cool so cool then you can also call in on one other topic and that is now that it's been officially a week since the fourth of july and the release of sound of freedom i want to know what you guys think about it um here is dana white ufc's dana white saying a little something about it with a with an end cap video from none other than mel Hey everybody, I'm Dana White. There's a new movie out called The Sound of Freedom, and it's about human trafficking. More importantly, the trafficking of children. This is a disgusting, horrific issue that's happening all around the world, and it's not getting better, it's getting worse. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give any of my UFC employees that wanna see this movie free tickets to go see, and I would like to encourage other executives to do the same at their company. Here's Mel Gibson with some more information on The Sound of Freedom. One of the most disturbing problems in our world today is human trafficking, and particularly the trafficking of children. Now, the first step in eradicating this crime is awareness. Go see Sound of Freedom. So now that a lot of people have seen it and uh, we're getting reports of, you know, chicanery going on at the at the at several locations where it's on you know people saying that their their uh pre-sale tickets are not there they've been refunded there's air conditioning problems at amc theaters and this and that and then there are others that are doing uh digs into whether or not jim caviezel is a freemason plant and and that the 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 film actually is a grift and and it's it's trying to get people to microchip their children i don't know about any of that uh there's certain things that i just i I, I can't I can't do incessant digging on. All I know is that when I watched the film, I took nothing away from it other than a harrowing story of search and rescue. And I don't feel brainwashed or duped into getting a microchip into Aurora or I, I, I don't know. But some people are on that kick right now and, um, and, and that's fine. So if you wanted to call in about that, you can. 
I just don't have much to offer because I didn't take anything like that away from this. Um, anyhow, I would love to offer up the time on air with all that stuff to you guys. So let's do that. 914-595-914-200-0269. We'll be right back. We'll be right back to take your calls. Don't go anywhere. Shouldn't have torn like that. Beautiful coat. What the fuck you doing? Lunch is ready. Wash my hands. You just washed your hands. Then I tied my shoes. So what? I can't stand touching fucking shoelaces. Never go to tie your shoes and you notice the end of your laces are wet? Come on. Why would they be wet? I got no fucking idea. You go to public bathrooms? You stand at the urinal? Oh, fuck. Come on, will you? He's asking me. I'm telling him. And frankly, it's important. Even if the lace is dry, and even if you don't touch the body of the shoe, bacteria and virus migrate from the sole up. You seen this on TV? I gotta watch TV to figure out the world. Your average men's shit house is a fucking sewer. You look at ladies' johns, you could eat maple warm and ice cream from the toilets. Eh, there's exceptions. But a men's? <laughs> Piss all over the fucking floor. Urinals jammed with cigarettes and more ball cakes. And they can pour all the fucking ice they want down there, my friend. It does nothing to kill germs. Even if you keep your shoes tied and you're not dragging your laces through urine. Oh, shut the fuck up. They tell your kids they gotta love Justin Bieber, and uh, you know, uh, and then your children are turned into mindless vassals. They they look up to some twit instead of looking up to Nikola Tesla or looking up to uh, to Magellan. I mean, kids, Magellan's a lot cooler than Justin Bieber. He circumnavigated with one ship the entire planet. He was killed by wild natives before they got back to Portugal. And when they got back, there was only like 11 people alive of the 200-and-something crew, and the entire ship was rotting down to the waterline. That's destiny. That's will. That's striving. That's being a trailblazer and explorer. Going into space, mathematics, quantum mechanics, the secrets of the universe. It's all there. Life is fiery with its beauty. It's incredible detail. Tuning into it. They want to shut out of your mind. Talking about Justin Bieber. Ah! You're listening to Quite Frank. Okay. 914-200-0269. Or you can jump into the Gilded. Let's see. Here, you know what? I'm going to take this caller. Uh, let's take this caller over here. Uh, 808, you're on the air. Go ahead. 808. 808. Came and went. Let's go over to the Gilded and let's bring in Minnesota Cat, who's been trying to get this right for for nights on end, and I think she finally got it. What's going on, Cat? I am so happy to hey. hear your voice in my earbuds. Oh, well, here we are. Life, thank you. Well, okay, so I just wanted to comment on the thing you were talking about with the movie Sound of Freedom. Mm-hmm. A whole bunch of us are going on um, Thursday. So let's all pray that there's no shenanigans on our end. Of course, Minnesota is the birthplace of these riots. 
Uh, there's a lot, you know, Minnesota, they, they used to be a very remote, almost uh, forgettable place in the in the United States. But they, they've, they've found a way to make make you guys stand out. And of course, it's never in good ways. Mm-hmm. It's really true. It's and in this day and age, it's best to just be forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> so but I noticed on my Facebook because I'm a mom. So most of my social interactions are on Facebook, unfortunately, for the season of my life. But I was noticing that a lot of my friends, my mom groups were saying things like, oh, I'm so, so worried to let my son ride his bike around the corner because child trafficking and like there needs to be a little balance here, I, right? yeah. especially with the boys like do you want to make some more sniveling little maniacs or are we going for something else? Because if you keep helicoptering them, you're going to make a bunch of feminine puke faces. You and know, that's not great. You know, Kat, I think you, you, you bring up a, a really, a really good point there because it goes hand in hand with another thing I was saying with, um, with some of those, uh, of some of the, the patrons, the monthly patrons of the show that I was doing my unlisted Sunday stream with. And we were discussing this a little bit mm-hmm. there too. Uh, I, I was bringing up the question of, okay, well, I mean, we've, uh, a, a movie never actually changes the world. Um, movies, the, you know, any kind of sto- storytelling is very good for obvious reasons and inspiration mm-hmm. can be gleaned from it and all that stuff. But but what really happens from there? Because the average person who watches this, you're going to be emotionally uh, emotionally triggered into, you'll feel you'll feel mm-hmm. despair, you'll feel rage, you, you'll feel like you want to act. But, you know, I, I, I'm no John Rambo. I'm not going to be, you know, going mm-hmm. on, a, on a speedboat down a, a jungle river in Colombia anytime soon looking to to, uh, to to do I, I you know so it makes it begs the question what do we do what can we do yeah. and um right. and I think what you bring up although there, I love that visual though Frank of you ramboing down the oh, river oh oh I love it. I love it too because we it, get a meme of that can somebody make meme of that it makes me it makes me <laughs> feel very face. bad it makes me feel very badass me with a quiver of a, of exploding yes. <laughs> exploding tip arrows over my you shoulder machete yeah oh, you know, and there. a pet honey badger on a leash just like snarling with you at the front of the boat let all the honey badgers out that's what i say and we'll, we'll, we'll yeah, be a lot exactly. better what do we do at you know you you learn this stuff just like with the cue and all this stuff you figure out what's going on but then what well uh, you know I, I, then you, what? i'm gonna i'm gonna repurpose what you said there to 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 everybody else too and hopefully we can get something else uh I can't now that it works i hope you use this more often thank you for the call thank you all right, there you go, Minnesota cat. Now she's sitting in the general waiting room with uh, with Albert for a second. Be easy on her, Albert. So there's the, there's a question for you. So what do we do? On the other hand, it goes hand in hand with Minnesota cat. Where what what's the overcorrection with this? Do we never let our children out to go ride their bikes? Depend. I guess is it situational awareness? Where are you? I mean, it could obviously happen anywhere. Um, what, what is the, the buddy system all about? What, what, you know, what are you taking into account? And I guess other than that, you just got to roll the dice on some things in life so that you can actually go and live a life. So what is, where is the overcorrection there? And what are we actually doing to, to fight this off? What are we doing really on local levels? Because there's a lot, there's a consciousness issue there. There's a way that we live. There's a way that we raise our children. There's a way that we um, that we do a lot. I, th- there's something there for us because um, 
most people who are listening to the show right now, as I said before, are not going to be jumping on the speedboat and making their way down a river in, in South Africa or South America. South Africa, too. But there's a, We know a lot about that. But great, great question there. Let's take a call from Lisa. What's going on, Lisa? Hi, it's Dr. Hoffman. How are you, doctor? Great to have you. Wonderful, wonderful. Hey, I have an ocean story. Great. I can't wait to hear it. Okay. Um, I was boogie boarding off in San Diego mm-hmm. by Point Loma, and a shark swam under me. What kind of shark? I do not know. I don't want to know, really. <laughs> but I just stayed really, really still. And then I've also been caught in two riptides twice. Oh, see, rip, riptide stories are frightening. I mean, yeah. that really it is, is you are scary. you are facing off. That is a very personal face-off that you are having with nature at that point. And uh, it's a matter of who's strongest and who's going to let go first. Yeah, yeah. Shoot. I just swam, you know, what you're, you're not supposed to fight it. You're just supposed to swim, you know, you know, parallel to the coastline. And that's what I did. And finally, I just ended up getting kind of washed ashore. But I just stayed really, really calm because I remember what my uncle told me. Don't freak out. You'll drown. So basically, that's what I did. So going back, well, I'm, oh, I'm happy that you didn't freak out and that you didn't drown. Yeah. But Obviously, I didn't die. <laughs> when, now, with the, with the shark, did who called it to your attention? Did you see the fin or something? Or, or how? I felt the water current changing because it was very, very calm where it was. And I just looked down, and it was really clear, and this big fish, you know. And by the look of it, it looked like a shark because I love sharks. I love them. And so I just, just, I stayed really still, and it just kept going. Well, thankfully it kept going. (laughs) And it's okay to love sharks, especially from a distance there, uh, Doctor. I uh, do. I do. I love them. Well, thank thank you for that. I actually think that it's Shark Week this week or next week on Discovery Channel. Doesn't it happen? This yeah, I've heard. It's, it happens sometimes in July, right? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> enjoy that, and thank you for calling in. Thank you. There we go. We got a shark encounter. Uh, we have another call, 808. Let's try that again. Hello, 808. Yeah, hi there. Uh, my bad. I was running a saw. Oh, it's all right. It's all right. Yeah. So, so who am I speaking with? Right on, uh, James. James, welcome to the show. So what's on your mind, James? Uh, I was just going to talk to you about uh, sailing uh, out in the ocean. Okay, please go ahead. Right on. By the way, I love your show, man. Thank you, James. Um, so, uh, yeah, when I was 18, uh, I left to go to Mexico and uh, took sailing, uh, took uh, crew jobs from La Paz, Baja, Um and basically, it was like surfing waves and sailboats. So, okay. So, so were you? But here's the thing: I, I would like to know the most. Um, were you far away from the shore, so that you couldn't see the shore? Like, how remote have you ever been out on on the boat? And have you ever done any sailing or or uh, adventuring at night? Because the ocean, as as scary as it is, in both daytime and nighttime, the nighttime is just a whole other beast. Yeah, actually, uh, that's kind of the deal with it is because uh, you'll have pods of whales that you can't see at night. 
so you kind of have to hear for them. But in the Sea of Cortez, it's actually got a lot of phosphorescence in it. Mm. So and we were out basically for like a week at a time. So you'd see, you know, you'd see uh, um, schools of tuna during the day. So the fishing was good. Um, but at night, you'd have to be dodging pods of whales because they'd be sleeping. Wow. So that was a bit much. Um, we were in a pretty good storm. Oh, the boat that uh, the first one that I crewed on it was a forty-foot uh, Kattenberg, so it's a wood hull boat, and it didn't have an engine on it. It was uh, it, it was called the Fair Lady. They actually did a write-up on it in uh, thirty-two latitude. It's a sailing magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's kind of the most insane boat. I didn't even know what I was getting into cause I was an 18 year old kid, but, uh, I had all my certifications and everything. Any moment, um, any moment on the boat that you ask yourself, oh man, uh, why the hell did I get myself into this? Any scary oh, moments? Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. No, it was actually, uh, we were in this one storm where the mass started, uh, slipping around because, uh, the, yeah, the winds were so bad. And it was kind of like box waves, so it was like a twenty foot, twenty foot square wave that kept slamming the front of the boat. Jeez! And uh, yeah, that was that was pretty harsh. Um, that was not the best night. So yeah, I had to break apart a chair and uh, kind of wedge that into the mast hole, and then tie a rope around it because, and then reef the sails down. And uh, the lady that owned the boat, she was like, eh, I don't mind if I die. She was, uh, her nickname was the Sea Hag. <laughs> she she uh, she was a sweetheart lady, very kind lady, but she'd been on the ocean for like 40 years. And uh, yeah, we had kerosene running lights. It was nuts. Oh. But when you're an 18-year-old kid, man, it's... Uh, you take the opportunity. Yeah, it was... And now, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I can see how the sea hag wouldn't mind if she died on the ocean after all that time. <laughs> but for you, you still have yeah, your whole she, life, ahead, life ahead of you. Right. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. No, when you're an 18 year old kid, it was either yeah, I was going to go in the Marines. My dad was like, "Please don't. Just you want boot camp, so just go to Mexico and sail boats." And I took his advice. Well, James, I'm, gl- I'm glad you did boat. because at the very least, we got we got ourselves some good stories over here tonight. And thank you for the call. Yeah, bro. All yeah, right. you have a great night. Yeah, yeah. They get call and call in more often. That's great. So, they, so, uh, so storms. I have to imagine. I can't imagine a storm at night. I should have asked them. Did the storm rage into the night? Man, that's a whole other beast. Being out there on the sea and to think about how people are, you know, navigating the world on the ocean. These mariner types back in the 19th, 18th, 17th century and before that, just incredible. The balls you need. And, and you know, here's the other thing there, too. As I said, I, couldn't, I, I can't believe that 67, 70% of YouTube is actually Titanic videos. Uh, it's more so that so, all these ships were sank in the 20th century. Forget about the 19th century, but in the 20th century. The Carpathia went down. It hit, hit, hit another ship. The, uh, the, the, the Californian went down. Uh, so many of the boats that were actually part of the Titanic story, both the rescue or the uh, potential rescue that ignored them. I mean, so many ships, ocean liners, uh, everything else, not just military ships and all this, the, uh, the, uh, 
the wars going on, but there's just so many collisions and sync. Uh, it, it's incredible. So it just goes to show that before the advent of radar, sonar, uh, better uh, equipment for radio or anything like that, it was still a very, very dangerous thing, even in the early to uh, the early going to the 20th century. All these ships just ramming into each other and going down. It's it's really just um, really incredible how long it's uh, it's in, how long it's been a very dangerous trade. All right, let's see. Over in the Gilded again, let's bring let's bring in Chris Jolly with an ocean story. What's going on, Chris? Chris bounced out. Let's go and bring a uh, eight five zero. You're on the air. What's going on, caller? Yeah, just had a call for uh, a shark story. Oh, okay. Let's hear about this one. Uh, me and my wife are both Floridians, native-born. We do a lot of fishing around Panama City Beach. We were out at the last buoy, which is about five miles offshore. And we were fishing, catching small king mackerel. But something was taking our bait and taking the fish too, breaking the line. We're fishing. My wife says, look at that. And I turned around and looked, and at the back of my boat, my boat's probably eight foot wide, there was a hammerhead shark way wider than my boat was. Wow. And and he, he looked like a mammoth. I mean, he was just enormous, really big. And it's just a sight you never see. Didn't get scared or anything. Just, just awed at the at the awesomeness of nature. And this was in this was in. Uh, you had your own boat. You said it's a. It was just a smaller boat. Yeah, nineteen foot center console. And about eight feet wide. You said. Yes, about eight you, feet wide. And you said that this thing dwarfed the the dimensions of your boat. Absolutely dwarf the dimensions of my boat. It's a it's a hammerhead that's been that's been hanging out there for years, and it's it's estimated 12, 14 foot long. I was going to say how long the hammer, uh, how big do hammerheads get? I didn't know that they. I mean, that, you're talking about something that's mammoth. That sounds like a uh, you know a, a genetic anomaly almost. Uh, not really. They they get absolutely huge. Really? Wow. Uh, 12, 1,400 pounds. Incredible, and 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 aside from just circling around and and uh, and and taking whatever bait you were able to uh, spare, it it didn't cause you any problems. No, not really, not at all. Just eating, you know, eating what it wanted. Man, man, oh man, I'll tell you, um, that's that. See, that's the kind of thing. That's the kind of thing that is just. It's their world, you know. To say, oh my, it's so so scary. It's their world, you know. That that is. Uh, that is where they're supposed to be, and and for all intents and purposes, you're a visitor at that point, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> when you see something like that, you think of intelligent design. Mm. God makes stuff incredible. The variation, I think, of all this is is great. You go into sharks. I mean, even but hammerhead sharks in particular just because of the way that they're constructed with that uh, that long flat horizontal uh head and um it, it's just the, the the variation of life on this planet 
is just staggering. E- even these, like, I mean, you know, hammerhead sharks they get a they get a lot of media attention. We all had uh, we all had like, action figures and things. Like, you go to maritime, you go to all types of um, aquariums and stuff like that, and they'll bring them in, and they're very popular types of shark. But still, when you sit back and you just look at them and you realize, wow, how how is just all this possible? It um, it, it 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 never gets old when you really sit back and analyze these these creatures. And yeah, when you see one up close like that, it's a it's a memory that sticks with you forever. Well, thank you so much for the call. It was great to have you on. Thank you. I, we really enjoy your show. Well, send my best to your wife and stay safe out there if you still go fishing. And uh, thank you again. All right, there you go. The encounter with a giant hammerhead. Let's take a call from James. What's going on, James? Hey, Frank, what's going on? It's Chris in the Berkshire. Oh, what's going on? I, I forget. Well, it's going to take me a long time to not forget. Chris, welcome back. What's on your mind? Frank, you got far too many people to remember someone as mean as me, so I'm not sure about it. No, 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 it's not that. It's just what? that the, the, the names, as you know, don't match the people anymore. So that was the... Sure. Go ahead. It's all good. It's all good. Just wanted to let you know that it finally happened. I got married, and I just got back from my honeymoon. So there oh, you go. congratulations. And I remember, and I, I remember, say, you know, yep. I, I remember, right. what was it, a couple of, it was uh, years ago at this point, and you called in, and you yep. were c- kind of waffling a little bit, we said, dude, get it done, dude, get it done, and That's here it. you are, where'd you That's guys good. go? Uh, we, uh, we went to Montana for the honeymoon, so we went out to Glacier National Park, Oh. and uh, I gotta, I gotta throw a quick huge fuck you and i know you had i i, I caught the show late and it was literally when i i turned it on you were just finishing up so i don't know if you were positive or negative in the in the, the united aspect but big fuck you to united because they basically tried to ruin our honeymoon in every which way and form that they could so you know big old fat fuck you to them why oh well, i mean i guess had, we don't have to go into the details they, there but whatever the, the worst thing i'll say is is, is what you know they, they canceled a bunch of flights and whatever and then you know they have all these people there and they brought out and and i i literally thought of calling you like at the second they did this they so everyone's in the line right you know waiting to talk to the person at the, the desk to, to bitch about their flight and try to change their flights and they did the, the one thing that i looked around and i said oh my god they're doing it they brought out you said it, the diversity hires. It was the greatest thing I've ever seen. So there's all these people at the desk, right? That are all these, you know, United employees and shit like that. And there they come. The the young up and coming United, you know, executives, interns or whatever they are, and they are it looked like any college campus book booklet that you could imagine. There was the black, there was the Pakistani, there was the gay, there was the transgender, here comes the girl from Mexico who thinks she's this and that. And it was just like they're all sitting there talking to you and I'm like, This this is what this is this is the problem is is they've hired all these people who have absolutely no idea what they're doing. They're they're they have zero skill. They're probably, you know, at best, the 20th best candidate, but because they're, they, they, they check the box off, they hire them up, and here we are sitting with, with two canceled flights, and I had to take an Amtrak from Chicago to Kalispell, Montana for 34 hours, and Frank, it might have been the best thing I've ever done. It was absolutely gorgeous. If you ever get a chance to do it, Frank, do it, because you, you see the country, and it is beautiful. It is relaxing. There's none of the airport bullshit. It was, it was absolutely You know gorgeous. what I mean? That's what and, we'll do. And I got to say... Go ahead. No, maybe that's what we'll do. Maybe we'll drive to the Midwest, and then we'll take a train out the rest of the way. 
or something like that. But it, so, so okay, so then you so you're not taking you would not be interested in the uh, the the lifetime the lifetime uh, membership for United Airlines at this point. You don't want anything they have to give you. I would never take a United flight ever again in my life. Okay. Ever again in my life. I guess I will never. I guess, and, Mr. But I, to, to just to, to to put the cherry on top, I do have to say thank you because, as you said, I was hemming and hawing and flipping and flapping, and and you were like, dude, you got to get it done. What the fuck's wrong with you? You've been together for so long. So, a, a big thank you to you and your show and and you know everything you do and and you know I'm finally back and it's good to be back because we were kind of off the grid and we we basically turned everything off for ten days out there and. You know, you know, you, you don't really miss. I, it's crazy. You don't really miss the internet. You don't miss anything. But you know, I did miss the show, and it, it's great to have you back on. And good to be back in the chat room again. So I'm out here grilling in the backyard, listening to you, and having a beer, and you making see? our first dinner back home. Now that we're married, you know, I'm a married man. So thank you, Frank, and I got to say thank you to all the Franklies out there. So you guys have a great night, and I'll, I'll just keep listening. Keep up the great work. I I I, I, lo- I love hearing it. That you're back home. You're married. Your 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 wife has a. Uh, has a nice bright future with her husband now and you guys um hopefully you you start uh you start popping out litter of children all over the place who knows you, you just you bask in the glow of that honeymoon first and you guys just uh enjoy life you're doing great things and you know that's the whole thing uh well first of all i guess tom stuker or stuker from the United Airlines, who who bought the lifetime pass in 1990, I guess he got the best years of United Airlines before the uh, the uh, the Captain Planet and the Planeteers took over there. I know exactly what he's talking about. It's people who the 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 work, the quality of work is does not. It's not good quality work, but they do carry something else that is very obvious, and that is all of the external boxes have been checked. And you can just see what the hell has been prioritized on top of quality. And not to say that uh, a, a, a mix of all of those people, category people, a mix of them aren't qualified. But the thing is to prioritize the categories and the boxes that need to be checked instead of the merit and the quality and the the commitment to quality. You know, that's... Uh, it does it does take things down a, a peg there. So sorry to hear about that, but I'm not sorry to hear about the the marriage and the honeymoon. And I will say this before we go to break, that it's true. When you are away from social media, you don't miss any of it. You don't miss any of it. Now, um, if you do something like I do, there's a little itch about if it's work, if it's work, being away from it is really, really hard because you want to stay in the game and you want to keep yourself sharp. And you, you want, you feel that itch to you want to keep digging, and you want to keep clawing, and and just you want to be involved. You want to be on the field, on the court. You don't want to be on the bench. Definitely don't want to take yourself out of the game for any period of time. But um, when you realize again, and you remind yourself, just like when Mickey Willis was on scheduling those times away and really just disappearing uh, to do the most important things and that is to be quiet to be with your loved ones and just to do things that are I don't know a lot more smaller in scope but far more important that's the most that's that's everything now I wish because of that I know that the show is really driven by the internet 
in many respects it is a social media driven show because it is posted you know go we go live on several social media uh, websites uh podcast everything is driven and powered by the internet even if you're just downloading it and listening to it on your own whatever but um i wish i love the idea of radio and just being able to maybe one day who knows so i guess just pretend that this is just a radio station and that you're you're not going on social media to get yourself a nice little conversation every night 807 let's go to intermission we'll be right back with more of your calls and also jumping into the the mail bag over here different from the grab bag you'll see it's intermission time folks time out to press the like button thank you There's got to be somebody out there that has a story of the what's the best investment you ever made? Is there a service, a product, something that you bought into? You you paid a minimal amount of money, but you got over over the top return for it. Just think of this this United Airlines story as an example. There's got to be somebody out there. Um, like I said, there's specialty lines set up on the Gilded, so you can jump in line for something in particular. But I, uh, I would love to hear from somebody about that. Jenna from South Carolina says, Hey, I tried to call in but couldn't get through. I sent you an email about Tim Ballard today. Just want to make sure it doesn't slip through the cracks. I have a connection that might give you an inroad to an interview with Jim Caviezel. Okay, well, I'll take a look. But I, I have about four different um, strings being 
tugged on right now, and um, I just I don't want to be a creepy pest. But I will check the email. Thank you, Stostube. Says Frank, just dropping a little something for you for the show. Like buttons on Rumble and YouTube are smashed. Thank you, sir. Yes, please, ladies and gentlemen. For whatever you're doing tonight, whether you can be a um, a sponsor of the show, whether you are a sponsor, whether you want to, whether you can or cannot send a super chat to say hello and support the broadcast and the overall operation, the one thing everybody can do, especially on Rumble and YouTube, is hit the like button. It takes a nanosecond, and it does wonderful things if we start hitting different levels of different tiers and thresholds of likes i would love to get to a thousand likes on both places i know it's uh it's it's tough to do sometimes but it shouldn't if many more than a thousand settle in to watch in either place over the course of a two-hour period thousands do so just leave a like and that really help us out uh here's another one from katie katie sky says at least four feet fish scurrying away we were just standing there, so it's not like we splashed a, and spooked it. Whatever it was came up close, checked us out, and decided to scurry away. Uh, we stayed right where we were because it was such a beautiful scene. Well, at least there's no danger there. That that video I saw last night was ho horrible. Horrible. And that's when I knew, all right, no more shorts and reels tonight because it's got the... It's been bitten by the weird bug. Pete, Pete F says, paying blessings forward. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Pete. Is that Pete from Canada? I don't know, but Pete, thank you so much. Here's another, oh, oh, here's another story from Katie. One of two was chest deep in the water at the beach in St. Thomas, a joint in one hand and a drink in the other, just gazing out at the beauty of it all with my ex. All of my, all of a sudden there were two breaks in the water with a dorsal fin and the tail fin of what oh and then it goes to the other one of what was at least a four foot i don't know fish scurrying away four feet anything four foot anything four foot was i mean damn i remember going to the bahamas in 2008 and we would feel you would feel the tickle of just fish i don't know what which ones they were but they would they would brush up against you that was weird but i knew it wasn't anything uh to be too too crazed about that was but i liked it i i mean it, it was great because you know why because the water was clear so it almost felt like you were hanging out in an aquarium and that is fine it's the whole idea and there's some sort of a a, a phobia I wouldn't say I'm phobic, but it just makes me uncomfortable. Uh, there is a phobia. You know how everything goes phobia, philia? I forget what the hell it's called. Of figures and things underwater. Things that are underwater, whatever. Figures underwater. Uh, whether that be... Whether that be sunken vessels or something like that but especially dark water with me it's the it's seeing something come out of the darkness that is messed up it's really messed up if i'm in in like aquarium aquarium clear water and we got we got our snorkels and our 
our goggles and we're having a good time, uh, that can be thoroughly an enjoyable experience. But I think that it is just the murkiness of being in the blackness. Like there are a couple of people out on YouTube that do river recoveries where they go and they dive into rivers and things like that. And uh, I'm trying to get a few of them on the show. There's this one, uh, this one group that goes out and they do magnet fishing and they have found all types of shit. Like there was a mafia dumping ground. They found all these discarded guns. They, they found, you know, dead bodies wrapped in chains, crazy stuff. But there's also these amateur, I wouldn't say call them amateur, but they, um, at least their, their presence on the, on the independent, I would say independent divers, they would find cars in lakes that really close the, 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 the gap on unsolved mysteries of people who, who have disappeared in the past. Uh, you know, teenagers who, I guess, got drunk and went off and they were never found again. And now here is the confirmation that they went off into this river and they've been gone for however many years. And things like that, to, be, to dive even into murky, uh, like a lake water, and even 25 feet down, find a car to see a car come out of the darkness. That's, that's messed up to me. You know, I saw that, that same group of people. I think they did an episode diving into the East River or maybe the Hudson. It was down in New York City and they were all around the piers. I don't know if it was, you know, whatever the hell it was, but they were down in that. And... You know, already you're thinking, okay, well, that's some that's some nasty ass water in itself. But still, what are you finding at the bottom of that thing? What's coming out of the darkness of that? So I can't, I can't fathom people who have the balls to do that, or actually, you know, get that's like you know, they get their kicks doing that. Maybe some of you are one of those people. I'd love to hear about it. Let's take a call from Donald. What's going on, Donald? Hello. Donald, how, how you doing, Donald? Well, actually, this is Noel. Donald is my father, oh. but uh, he was originally on the cell phone plan. All right. All good. No problem. Well, welcome, Noel. How you feeling? Feeling great. Frank, I would love to call in about no regrets investments okay. or purchases Thank tonight. You. Great. At least we get one in. As long as we got one good one, that's all I care about. So go right ahead. Make my night. All right. Well, so I'm going to uh, – a short story that is going to um, take me way back. It's going to be a very long, complicated um, uh, story here. Uh, I hope you have a lot of time to invest in talking to me tonight. <laughs> no, I, you? no, I don't actually. But, go right, but uh, try to nutshell it the, the best you can. All right. Frank, I bought a boat two years ago. It's a little bit nicer of a boat than I probably should have bought, but it, a lot of people say don't buy a boat. Bought a boat, great investment. Never regretted a day of it, especially here in Minnesota in the summer. Amazing investment. Never looked back. That's it. So wait a second. So let me tell you, because, you know, when you say Minnesota, and obviously that is the, the land of a, well, uh, uh, 10,000 lakes. So we know that there's plenty of water up there, but where, uh, how far can you get from Minnesota? Or is this just something that's hanging out on one of those, uh, those, those, those giant lakes or is there any kind of outlet? How far away from Minnesota can you get? Is there any route to take your boat from where it's docked to the Atlantic ocean? 
it's not docked. It's on a trailer. I just pull it, and we just go to the little lake here. Uh, I live by a beautiful lake called Lake Minnetonka. Um, I think your friend Truth Quest uh, lives in the same town as me. Um, so that's fairly landlocked. Uh, if you were very ambitious, I could go about 45 minutes to the Mississippi River or the St. Croix River, uh, get on the Mississippi, and then I suppose sky's the limit. But, um, you know, that's probably would be a little bit more ambitious than I'd be willing to bite off. Wow. Well, you know, that's okay. So you, you bought this boat. Everybody said, don't buy a boat. You said, you know, to hell with you. It's my life. So you went and you grabbed yeah. it. So what do you what do you do? What kind of time do you spend on it? And what do you like doing the most? Where where you uh, where you enjoy the actual boat on the water? Because I have to imagine that there is at least a couple of months that you put this thing away, or do you brave the winter as well? Uh, no. So in in the winter time, I take advantage of the ice. Uh, I go snowmobiling on it. Honestly, I go walk my dog out on the lake. Uh, just let him go rip. Can't get lost. Can't get in trouble. Uh, usually it's dark by the time I get home from uh, work. Put a little like LED collar on him to see the bouncing along the lake or along the, uh, the the ice and the snow. But yeah, I mean June, July, August, early September. Basically, you're just going for cruises. You're uh, you know checking out the the foliage. Um, there's a couple of different boat up bars that you can go to. Boating to a bar, way better than driving to a bar or biking to a bar, any of those kind of things. Uh, water ski behind it. Spent all last weekend water skiing. A fantastic workout if you've never done it yourself. Um, but, yeah, mostly just being on, uh, I call it the the, uh, the outside looking in. Uh, you, you look uh, at the shore, you look at your, your little neighborhood and your community from the water, and you get a, a totally inverted perspective. Do you ever spend once you have this this vessel out on the water? Do you ever spend days on end there where you'll sleep on the boat and you'll just say, "Hey, I'm not I'm not coming home for a couple of days." Uh, no, I mean it's it's not that kind of a boat. It's just it's just a ski boat. Um, so uh, it's not exactly something like a cabin cruiser or something that has amenities uh, for anything beyond a couple of hours. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, uh, you know, on a, on a Saturday afternoon or a weekend afternoon or you cut out early on Friday, you spend two hours out there soaking in the sun, um, you know, so far away from, uh, you know, land. It's it's, uh, it's it's rejuvenating. Actually, I'm, I'm thinking about taking it out onto the water Thursday night to go check out the northern lights. Uh, like, you know, you were talking about the other night yeah. and, um, you know, just kind of seeing what that would look like from something other than my backyard see uh, the, the, uh noel thank you so much for the call this was this was wonderful and and i can feel that this oh, was no i can i can i know that you made the purchase and at least for now i mean i don't know maybe 25 years down the road you just become tired and you're you just you're too you're too damn old to do it all still and and to keep up with the demand of of the boating life but i can tell right now you have already enjoyed this much more than it cost and i think that's great well, thank you, Frank. Uh, I, I appreciate you. Love you, brother. Um, keep up the good work. Uh, you're you're a staple of my day, and um, absolutely, uh, uh, you know, thanks for always having an engaging topic that get people's, uh, you know, their brains jogging. And I thought that that intersected with the uh, the 
the topics, the, or the, the nautical topic of the evening. As oh, well. yes. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, it, it, got, it, it checked off a couple of them boxes again. Thank you. And I appreciate your, your compliments and uh, all the love and the appreciation right back to you out there in the land of 10,000, 10 million lakes. There's Noel. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's terrific. At least you got one of those there. Got a couple things. Should I ask him? Oh, uh, by the way, the the phobia. This was sent to me, I think by AK. Who's it? No, no, yeah, AK on the Gilded. Mega low hydrothalassophobia. Thalassophobia. Have you ever heard of mega? Megalohydrothalassophobia. It may sound like a mouthful, but it is a specific phobia that is related to, to thalassophobia, the fear of large, deep bodies of water. Megalohydrothalassophobia is the fear of large things in the water, such as large sea creatures, shipwrecks, or underwater structures. It is a blog post we'll explore. Uh, so that, that's, that's what it is here. Um, combining these roots, so you have megalo, great, hydro, water, thalasso means, uh, or thalassa means sea or ocean, and phobia, but cont- uh, whatever. So as far as, where is the, the symptoms? Symptoms of megal- megalohydro, megalohydrothalassophobia, like other specific phobias, can cause a range of physical and emotional symptoms, intense fear and anxiety when thinking about being exposed to large things in the water, Avoidance of water-related activities or locations such as beach or aquariums. No, I love that. Panic attacks. Well, hyperventilation. Okay, trembling, shaking, nausea, dizziness. Causes. See, here you go. Now, that right there, I think I would be able to go down into that if, if, I, if I were able to get the whole scuba. I'd never done scuba before. So it would have to take some training to be able to get on down and, you know, uh, accept the pressure of all that I don't know how far down that is was that 50 feet a little bit more learned behavior genetics anxiety disorders see shipwrecks that kind of a shipwreck that wouldn't be too bad that wouldn't be too bad it would be um it would be the dark water it's the dark water but I guess some people would have it bad enough to not be able to do that All right, all right. Let's take some more calls. 914-200-0269. So I'm taking calls about weird ocean stories or just ocean stories in general that you think are, are you know, go hand in hand with this, but I really want to hear some, some, uh, some dangerous ocean stories, ocean survival stories even. Then, of course, there is the best investment of your life. And I have other things that came in. You want to get some others? Listen to this. There's some beautiful places, uh, correspondence I got. This one is from... This one is from Razel. Razel. She said, hey, Frank, this is Razel. Thank you for taking my call. I've been so blessed to have travels like I did. I have uh, been through two passports with extra pages sewn in. There are a few things I'd like to run by you. Uh, Number one... The ozone, we talked about the ozone layer last year, last week. 
The ozone has a hole in it to let the pollution out. The bigger the hole, the more pollution is letting out. The smaller the hole, the less pollution there is. If the hole closed, then we would die. Also, every time it rains, it cleanses the earth. I know. I know. Acid rain. I didn't know that. Is the hole in the ozone layer event that has been that has been lied about all these years? That's the first time I heard about that. She also said, I did have a supernatural event when I was in Iraq, though. My hooch, a one-room container for living quarters, I woke up to, the, to use the restroom, and I just had a feeling that my hooch was not level. So I made a mental note to have, billet, uh, to have billeting check it out. I went back to bed. I laid down. I felt my room raise up. So that did not happen. And as soon as I said that again, it did it again. I tried to get up, but I could not move. I was frozen. I tried and tried to get up, but to no avail. Then a head of an old man appeared over my desk. He started talking and then said, if you want my help, you will have to speak. I said, if you want my help, you'll have to speak English. Then over by the door, two guys appeared dressed in green fatigues. Each had a weapon. I told them to leave and they and the old man left. Then I guess what seems like a few minutes went by. I was able to get up and walk. It was very spooky. I went to to HR in the morning and told them I wanted a different hooch. Needless to say, I didn't get one, but they did not come back. The ghost head and the two men in fatigues? The two men in fatigues were ghosts as well? Jeez. Jeez. Okay. Uh, Let's take a call from Erica Bonilla. What's going on, Erica? Nope, Erica's gone. Let's take a call from Rick. What's going on, Rick? Hi, Frank. This is uh, Rick in Florida. You can know me online as Captain Flint. Oh, what's going on, Captain? Good to have you. Thank you, thank you. First time calling. I'm Florida born and raised. Um, grew up surfing the beaches of Florida and fishing. And Man, I got tons of stories. Uh, shark stories, octopus stories. Well, give me all kinds your, of things that happen. Give me uh, your, I'd say one of the best. Yeah, I have best. a friend. We used to go surfing all the time. Turns out it's one of the most dangerous beaches in the United States, New Smyrna Beach, and we used to surf the jetties. And um, I had a buddy who was always paranoid, always afraid of what's under the water, always freaking out. And sure enough, of all the people who were out surfing, about a five-foot bull shark came up and just decided just to gnaw down on the front of the surfboard while he's sitting on it. <laughs> oh, damn. And I heard about or, these bull sharks. Yeah, yeah you know, just uh, big sharks. Big, ugly teeth. Normally, they're, they don't really bother you. Um, problem is that at New Smyrna Beach, the water gets really murky. So they see something that looks small to them. It's actually quite big because they can't see all of you, so to speak. That's why there's always shark attacks there. But yeah, just bit off the front of his board. and He's screaming and yelling. We're kind of freaking out and laughing at the same time. <laughs> Get him into shore. And he's panicking, but he's fine. Um other great stories like fishing. One time he pulled up a conch shell with a big octopus inside of it. That was interesting. Wow. Um, Just making a home over there. Yeah. I've heard I've heard yep. about bull sharks um, uh, being found as far north as around here. Uh, they, they, are they are they able to survive in both uh, fresh and salt water or something like that? Um, they, I imagine they can travel pretty far up brackish water, but. Okay. You know, I don't know. Um, why, I don't know why that sounds familiar to me, as far as there being some kind of a, a local link to, to, to things like that. But hey, I um, 
I appreciate it. In fact, Captain Flynn, I think I just accepted your application in the Gilded, so have fun in there, too. Oh, thank you. All right. Well, thank you for the call, Thanks, friend. Frank. Yeah, do it again. Thank you. Bye. Be well. There's Captain Flynn. Long time. Long time. You see people's uh, names popping up in chat rooms in and out, and then all of a sudden one day there's a voice that goes along with them, and that's always nice. All right, 914-200-0269. You have a number of topics you can call in on. I think we're spreading them out pretty good. Uh, here's a here's one that comes out of left field. Hi, Frank. I just heard your episode that mentioned about uh, the med- medications that make people gay. I should have saved. I should save this for for Matt, but uh, we're not going to have a Friday show until next Friday. Dopamine agonists, especially D two, are the real gay drugs. Uh, usually prescribed for Parkinson's disease, but more recently used for restless leg syndrome. These drugs create all sorts of compulsions, gambling addiction, sex addiction, really anything that can be addictive, they can cause addiction to them. There are many reports of straight people becoming bisexual or homosexual when taking them. Bodybuilders using steroids use them as well to treat side effects of taking testosterone. Some testosterone naturally atom- uh, aromatizes to estroidal, uh, estradiol, an estrogen hormone increasing testosterone causes an increase in uh, estradiol. Uh, This causes release of a prolactin, which causes detrimental sexual side effects and other unpleasant effects. Look on Reddit, search uh, cabergoline and steroids. I don't know what that is, but it sounds terrible. There are multiple threads about the use of dopamine agonists to treat side effects, so this probably happens to some bodybuilders as well. I've seen even reports of Zoloft causing people to change from straight to gay. And then it gives me a whole list of dopamine D2 agonists. Whole list of them. And then, at the end, and of course, this is written by Dan, of course there's atrazine in the water, Making the freaking frogs gay. Actually, it converts some of the frogs from male to female completely. Have a good one, Dan. Well, what's scary? How can I how could I lump this into the rest of tonight's topics? Imagine all of the transgender sea creatures that are underneath the surface of the black seas of the earth. How scary is that? Let's take a call from Mike. How are you, Mike? Hey, Frank, how you doing? I'm doing well. What's on your mind tonight? What are you going to be hitting up? Well, you know, I want to sound like you got a little phobia against black water. Uh, I've actually spearfished in the Gulf of Mexico, and we go at night. Oh. And so. I'll tell you one story. We were diving. We got a team, uh, probably about six or eight divers. We'd uh, charter a boat and go dive off of a, you know, structure offshore. And we were down one night. I was always the first ready to get ready in the water. And uh, I got ready, went down, went over, shot a couple of fish. And I was looking around. I got using a dive light. And and, uh, I looked to my right, and a full-grown bull shark just appeared. Mm. And I just held my light on it and just watched it. It just swam right by me. And as soon as it got through swimming by... It went one way. I went the other. It's, uh, and and this is in in the middle of the night, nighttime. It's probably about midnight. Man, oh man, no, that's so, just. 
anyway, when I finished, you know, when I saw him, I'm like, you know, I got a, got a grouper, a couple of flounder. I'm going to head on back up to the boat. So I just went up the anchor chain. And the guys looked over and said, hey, how'd you do? I said, I showed my fish. I said, man, I did great. Y'all go have fun. I didn't tell any of them about it. Uh, I, I, that, <laughs> yeah, no, that that's too much, man. I got to say, you know what it reminds me of? Uh, another thing, maybe maybe this is where it all happened, where I knew that as as, as a young guy, very, uh, no, young boy, I, I would never do something like, for example, um, who the hell was it? Uh, it was uh, Hooper, Richard Dreyfus in Jaws. What was his name? Hooper. Right. I forget. Um, you know, I don't really watch a lot of shark movies because of the fact that I I still do this. I go at night, and uh, you know, first anytime a new guy's coming with me, and he wants to talk about sharks. I said, look, put that in a little box in the back of your mind and forget about it. it and we just go do our thing. And by the grace of God, so far I've been doing it like thirty, forty years, no problem. So when are you going? You're, so you're going back to do some more night fishing soon? Oh uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, I went two or three weeks ago, uh, and I'm planning on going the twenty fifth of this month. You know, I have you got got a time. The tides right, everything has to be perfect. The wind, the tides, you got to come on a high tide. You know where the water's clear. Now, as far as you talking about black water, I've been diving in the Mobile River, which is just like you might as well put your hand over your eyes and, and get in. And uh, me and my buddy did that one time on a salvage job. I think we made like 100 maybe $200. And, you know, it's like risking your life. But we got out and we laughed all the way at the bank. But one other time, talking about the dark water, a friend of mine, salvaged guy you know i guess he lost his outboard motor or something up in the bayou and they wanted me to go down and dive and try to find it so you go overboard there and yes again you're just feeling around you can't see anything you might as well just close your eyes the guy on the boat stand there with a shotgun in case of alligators hmm. And I think I made 50 bucks or something like that. You know, just stupid. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. That seemed like a, a fair trade, considering the circumstances. Well, oh. you know, it's, life's an adventure, Frank, and I just, you know, just try to live it to the fullest. Oh, you, you are. Know, used to, talking about the traveling, uh, my buddy worked for uh, Delta, and we'd get a buddy pass. We would go to California and Abalone dive. So we went out there two or three times and, you know, diving for abalone now you have to free dive for that you can't scuba dive so we had a good time we got all our abs come back and then well, well mike killed it a friend of mine randy fry went was diving for abs and a great white bit his head off oh now, that's, a buzz, that's a buzz kill right there yeah you had to make you refigure your whole plan your friend had a your friend had his head bitten off by a great well, white it's an it's an acquaintance but you, know, you, you were you there friend. were you there for that or is that i was so not there but you know news travels fast through the, this certain community let's put it that way yeah and when Jeez. i heard that i'm like you know i don't think i want to go back to uh it was that was in the pacific ocean well mike northern look, california 
area. Mike, let me ask you something uh, before we get um, before we we get on to um, another quick break. Uh, to to just because you've been doing this for so long, let me try to bring in another topic from this evening. What would you say in your life of adventure, you, the best investment you ever made was? What's something that you 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 uh, you bought? You invested in and you got a hell of a lot of uh, use out of and that you, you, you think that it was well worth the money. Anything? Yeah, it's, this is totally unrelated. A friend of mine, he's, he's well off, okay? He'd buy a new Harley-Davidson every year, seems like. So he had a couple of them Harley-Davidsons and he kept asking me. I already had a chopper, but he said, hey, won't you buy this Road King from me? I said, you know, Doug, I really, I don't think I want it. You know, I really... It's not that I can't afford it. It's just I need another motorcycle. So he kept on bugging me. This went on for like a month or two. He says, Mike, look, I'm going to let you have this brand-new Road King for $6,000. I said, well, you know, <laughs> I'll take that. You know, I said, I'll be over here tomorrow with the cash. And that $6,000, I've got $100,000, I mean 100,000 miles on that motorcycle. I've been to California two or three times, Canada all across the desert i mean you know really experienced the beauty of this country i've seen it change from one side to the other now the other night you were talking about mystical uh, experiences i was riding through the desert i think it was in navajo territory and i mean sudden something just come over me and tears just started streaming out of my eyes i mean it was just it was just emotional i mean that's just i don't know what it was but it's something i won't ever forget well, that's, uh, I'm glad I asked you that question. That's wonderful. Uh, Mike, this is a great call. I hope I hear from you again. And, and uh, if you ever have trouble getting through, like I always say, jump into the Gilded or send me an email. Stay in touch, well, okay? I've sent, you, I've sent you an email before. I'm sick, man, so I didn't oh. want to really put that out there. But Well, it's all right. You know, yeah. Nobody's... Hey, all the best to the Franklies and the Franciscans. I love you, and you have a great show. I try to catch it every chance that I get. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Frank. Good later. night. Later. Wow. Great. Great call. Just great. Um, yeah, you know in Jaws, it's when Richard Dreyfus goes, uh, they, 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 that local fisherman had just, bought, had just uh, caught the tiger shark, and they put it up in the town square like, we found it. We found it. And he said, I don't think this is it. I don't think this is this, this is the uh, the shark. So they go diving. They go searching around. They find a boat that is run down. I forgot who the, the owner of the boat is. But it's just kind of like sitting there. It's, it's not, it's it's dilapidated. It's not sinking, but it's just on the surface. And Richard Dreyfus, oh, I'm going to take a little dive. I'm going to take a little dive. Of course he does. In the night, nighttime with a flashlight underwater. And he inspects the the hole in the side. He finds Jaws's uh, uh, knife-like tooth, and then there's a dead body that pops out and says, "Hello!" Out of the side of the the boat, the little chunk that had been bitten out. No thanks, no thanks. I think we'll tow this in and take a look at it tomorrow morning. Get it up on a lift or something like that. Unbelievable. That, see, like back back when I was. A child watching things like Jaws. I'm saying to myself, I'm not going. What? What are you doing? Why would you do this to yourself? I guess you're just a thrill seeker, or you're someone like Mike out there. Someone like Mike just jump in. Never mind. All right. Um, 
Yes. Yes, indeed. Okay, let's take one quick break. Another quick break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Quite Frankly. I've witnessed atrocities previously reserved for the eyes of war veterans, all thanks to the existential crisis rectangle. Now I sleep for two to four hours a night due to the incessant deafening chatter in my mind. And you can too, with the help of the existential crisis rectangle. The existential crisis rectangle includes historically unprecedented narcissism, mind-melting algorithms, and even the complete erosion of the moral fabric of society. So don't wait. Rush out and grab your own existential crisis rectangle today. Loss of virginity sold separately. What really happened on that Thursday here at Augusta High School that led to Chris Wood's death? The fuck is that? Shit! I'm dying in this fucking country-ass fucked-up town. <laughs> Shit flying in my mouth. The fuck? I can't see pilot. Let's get the fuck out of this country, motherfucker. I can't see me. Thank you. Thank you for being here, everybody. I'm having a great time. And this is what it's all about. This is the real experience. What's going on in the outside world? Let's see. Zelensky slams NATO over Ukraine membership. Biden skips dinner. Oh, oh. Trouble in paradise with the two lovebirds. Temperatures climb to extreme levels, even for the hottest parts of the United States. Good. Let it get hotter. Fear blackout would kill nine times more than Katrina. Oh, yeah. Fear, fear, fear. So, obviously, this has all been going nuts with the with the flooding or the, the ever-increasing temperatures or this and that, whatever. The, these, these headlines have been clustering now. And of course, it all comes hand in hand with these meetings in the UK that I played a little bit last night with John Kerry uh, speaking in front of all their trillionaire friends and the uh, the King of, of England. So it's just the climate change portion of the Great Reset's turn on the cycle of issues again. And uh, if you just keep following the cycle you just keep following the bouncing ball you're just going to get brought through it over and over again that's it mission impossible set for franchise best opening bud light plummets to 14th place among beers third of americans have sleep have sleep divorce more than a third of americans have a sleep divorce 
What the hell does that mean? Where they occasionally or consistently sleep in another room from their partner. According to a survey from the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. Oh, I'm going to have to save this. The practice of sleeping separately known as sleep divorce is meant to help you fall asleep and stay asleep without disruptions such as snoring, stolen covers, or early alarms. I understand. I can understand that. But, but what's, how do you get around it? The snoring, there are some people, that, that is bad. Some people are just very bad. I can tell you, I can tell you I've been around it. It's not Lauren, by the way. Lauren and I don't have any problems. She thinks that she disrupts me when she flip-flops and stuff. And I keep telling her, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And I flip-flop. And the only time that I ever really make noise when I sleep is when I'm, when I'm sick. And it's all, I'm just kind of stuffed up a little bit. Other than that, I'm, you know, I might let out a yelp from time to time. <laughs> Or something like, oh! <laughs> uh, but I think that it's, I think everything is good on the home front. But I, uh, that, that is just me being lucky, feeling, feeling lucky and grateful for what's going on. Because I know all about this. I, I'm going to have to set this aside. We're going to have to talk about sleep configurations one night. And uh, dealing with snoring and that's a big one. All right, let's see here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take some uh, a couple more last minute calls. Uh Daniel, what's going on, Daniel? Hey Frank. Hi, how are you? My call. Um called in on Friday, a little bit of nervous, so hopefully I'll do a little better this time. But um I wanted to say definitely because you were just talking about the topic of uh snoring. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Oh yeah. Three of my buddies, uh yeah, their their wives are sleeping in separate bedrooms. But uh my main uh, topic that I wanted to hit on was the ocean one. And uh, when I was in Aruba, uh, I don't know, probably a decade ago or so, but there was this little octopus when I was snorkeling. Nothing too dangerous uh, for this story, but it, it just like I came up to it and it just inked me and just swam away. So it was kind of funny. Oh, okay. Like, oh, it's got inked by a little octopus. Okay, and what, you had goggles on and everything like that, so it, it didn't get in your eye. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah, and then, but another, another like so two other situations during that little trip. Um, another one, I was like check, checking out some coral. And I'm like, oh, this green thing looks really cool, and then it starts slithering away. And I'm like, oh crap, that's a that's a moray eel right there. I didn't see its face; just saw the side of its body, and it just swam through the the coral. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But another uh, another one was. Uh, you know what I would like to know, Daniel? I, I have you ever been have you ever been zapped by a, an electric eel? Oh, thankfully not. But because um, I, I would, outlets, yes, I would love to know. I would love to. I, I have. Uh, I mean, I know all about it. I read about it, but I've never talked to somebody who can actually explain. Obviously, there's jellyfish things and stuff like that. But the, as far mm-hmm. as the eel, the eels go, I, I've never had any testimony given to me about it. No, me neither. Me neither. Um, thankfully not, but hopefully somebody can call in and, and give that uh, give that story up. Because I mean, I've I've done some construction back in the day and, and accidentally grabbed onto the to the outlet that I was taking out that wasn't wrapped properly and got a little shock up to my shoulder. Mm. So it wasn't too bad. Just a little vibration through the entire arm. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's uh, hey. Yeah, I'm glad that you're alive to talk about that. 
all the stuff. I was thinking about thinking about um, uh, electric shocks the other day because I had to run outside to turn the turn the pump on in the backyard in the middle, and I I'm thinking to myself, all right, so I had to, I couldn't find my my rubber gloves or anything like that. Everything was wet, and so I had to grab things through my shirt and and hope for the best. Ooh. But anyway, Daniel, thank yeah. you for the call, man. It's great to hear from you. And you know, the snoring night, you're gonna have to call in again. Oh, definitely. All we'll right, do. man. I got a couple stories with that, and they're hilarious. It's it's bad. It's a bad thing, and it's it's one of those things where it's just like you can't judge somebody. It's just happening. But I can understand that people at night are just like, I'm sorry, honey, but I, I if if I'm going to maintain my health, I'm glad you can fall asleep. Whatever the quality of sleep is with you snoring and you know growling like that, that's one thing. But I I don't blame anybody who is almost it's like a forced insomnia you ever had a hard time falling asleep one night how you just want to punch yourself to sleep you want to punch yourself until you're unconscious you're just like why can't i go to sleep it's another thing to be perfectly able to fall asleep but there is an element in the room that is keeping you awake it's almost like torture in iraq or something like that um all right 851 851 and that's all uh we have a, a little bit more here a little bit more oh you know here's how we're going to end here's how we're going to end tonight i have a i have a call let me see though i have a a, a a story here it was about our book club and i thought this was really nice so maybe a, a good way to end this is from Adrian. Adrian wrote in about Shoeless Joe, and I want to give you a little bit of this just to, to, to let go of the evening, and we'll see you all tomorrow. He said, Frank, I watched the Shoeless Joe Jackson book club review, and even though my post comes late, I thought I'd share my thoughts and simple story. When my son Alex was about nine, I took him to the start of Little League um, I, to, just to see if he'd take a shine to things and have some fun. Over the course of a year or so, there was no team for him, so I decided that I'd start one in the local boys' club and sponsor it myself, and I coached it too. I had Alex be the catcher, which after a few weeks he didn't like it because it was too hot and all the gear. It would have been easy to find another kid, but and if I had, he would have been better than Alex for sure, but I wasn't going to let him say no. I wanted him to learn to suck it up. Lear looking back, it was a great life lesson. And I had another kid named Joseph, who was a sweet boy, but he must have had a slight case of palsy. You can see in his gait when he ran, Joseph was all smiles and signs of joy often showed on his face and little bounce in his step. It was obvious he loved just being around the other boys, doing boy things. I had, I had, I had a couple of kids like Joseph and really, really amazing. You got to. Yeah, I understand. Um, Joseph would have never. So much has made contact, much less gotten on base, if I didn't tell him to take each pitch. I hated not letting him swing as often as I did, but uh, but first I had to get him on base so that he could at least feel the exuberance of being on base. You wouldn't know it, but wouldn't you know it, on one occasion he drew the walk and he stumbled from base to base until he was standing on third when our best player got a hit and Joseph stumbled home, literally falling down on the way. But getting home ahead of a late throw, every player ran out 
to Joseph and danced all around home plate, whooping and hollering back to the dugout. All the parents and both bleachers stood in unison and cheered like crazy people with hands in the air. That was 25 years ago, and it still gets me emotional to tell the story. I've lost track of the people, but I can't help but think it made a difference. I hope so. It did to me. Joseph's dad didn't like me putting up the take sign and made it known. He wanted Joseph to feel the joy of hitting the ball. So did I, but he didn't stand a chance. By far, Joseph is my favorite of the several similar stories that I have. Um, Baseball is so much fun and so much more about life than it is about the game. I turned 65 on the 21st, and I find myself reminiscing in recent times. The Bible tells us that old men will dream dreams and the young will see visions. A well-developed worldview will speak even in your sleep. However, the young need help. By hearing stories that light the imagination and that become a vision in the mind, the Bible also says my people perish for lack of vision. So keep telling stories, Frank. Adrian. And I loved that email. I said, I've got to do this for a, a, a way to end. And, of course, it's baseball. And there's just so much there. So much there to... It's a, it's a beautiful game. And there's always, that, there's always that opportunity. I have many stories like that, too. And I'm glad Adrian wrote in. And, you know, and I said, you know, okay, I, I got a story for you. It's a little bit of a parable. A little bit of a parable, a story about following your dreams. So maybe this is going to hit somebody right at the time that they need it. Let me turn off the phone lines just for a little bit. We're almost ready to go. And I'm going to, uh, you know, what I'll do is I'll, I'll take all my super chats real quick before I go. So I don't have to break the flow here. Witchy Poo says second cousin was also trafficked in drugs. She was rescued. Wait, wait, wait. Hey, Frank, I have a cousin of human trafficking. My girl cousin was kidnapped when she was 11 or 12. She was drugged and pimped out for over 10 plus years. It's a long story about how she was rescued, but she was never the same. Drugs and mental health. Rest in peace. The second cousin was also trafficked in drugs. She was rescued, but had her pimp's names tattooed on her face. She was also mentally unstable. Jeez. Shake and Bake says, a service in which my Uh, in which my return on investment was immeasurable, is the internet radio show, quite frankly. Oh, that's that's nice. I have learned so much from him since March 31st of 2021. What a guy. Speaking of hammerhead sharks, the great hammerhead is my favorite animal. It's an incredibly constructed creature. MX2D says, Frank, been watching your Dark Delight podcast about the Missouri versus Biden, and I'm wondering where that line that defines a social media company is drawn. Can't a new platform argue that it is technically different? I love the show. Thank you. You're talking about a new platform that wants to bring the federal government in, into the fold and remarry themselves to the federal government? I don't know. That's, I, I don't know. I would need to know more about the the language of the law and it uh, it, I, it it could be a good question if I I need to know how to to really formulate it in my own head but it's a good idea it's a good something to think about because you know they're going to be finding ways to get around it to get back to normal order uh, Digger's daughter says, my takeaway from Sound of Freedom, the U.S. is the largest consumer of child porn. Like the alcoholic, the first step is admitting that there is a problem. I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. There's, 
I never took anything else away from it um, other than this is a very well done, very, you know who did a great review of it, and I was so surprised and pleasantly surprised that he did, is uh, The Critical Drinker. It's under six minutes long. Go to Critical Drinker's uh, site on YouTube, listen to it, less than six minutes, and I think it's a very, very across-the-board, well-told um, and well-broken-down review of the actual movie itself. The working parts of it, the main characters, and and how restrained and, and respectful it was of a really horrific situation. Uh, for everybody doing uh, deep dives on whether or not this is a, I don't know, a an opposition piece that's been, I, I don't know. Nothing, none of my red flag, no red flags went up for me. And uh, if that is the case, again, this is another thing that will be, uh, will struggle to, to maintain memory of it in a couple of weeks. The real question is how do we get people to, um, to act a little bit more responsibly where they are, to know what they're looking for and to not overcorrect and take away children's lives altogether by telling them you can't go riding without me. You can't, uh, depending on where you are, maybe you're in a situation, you're, you live in a place where you must have adult supervision until the time that you're 25. I don't know. So that would be a great conversation to have one night, especially if we have somebody like a, a, uh, Tim Ballard on the show, someone like him. I'm looking for, looking for guests right now. Jdog28 says, hello to you, Frank, from the maintenance crew here in Memphis. Great show as always. What's going on to the whole maintenance crew? I like that. Carly Tebbs says, have you ever, let's see, have you ever sucked snot out of the blocked nose of your infant with your mouth because the uh, the world had not inverted nose freda? I have. Had had not invented nose freda yet? I have. Barf, nose freda, best investment. Um, I, I have not done the sucking thing, though I have seen people who have because we looked into it. We have this, Aurora hates it. She calls it the, the nose sucker, the not the nose sucker. And she loves doing it to us. Like she pretends that things are the nose sucker and comes and jams it up our nose. I guess it's revenge or something, but it's bad. Like when the couple of times that she's been sick over the last year and a half, um, and you, we hear that congestion and it's just, it's like right there. So it's like a battery operated nose sucker. So we just, you know, I, it's, I hate it. I hate it, but I, I have to hold her back and I'm just, you know, just trying to keep her in, in place. And Lauren is going on up there and I, while I'm holding her down, she is like strong as an ox. I have to, I'm trying to plug one nostril while I'm holding her down and she's screaming. But here's the thing about Aurora. It's incredible. She knows when she doesn't feel good that she has to do certain things to feel better. At least now she does. And even though she hates the nose sucker, the this little machine that just draws it out, even though she hates it, she knows that she has to do it. And she cries, but she walks to the the sofa. She sits down, and she puts up with it. And she, she asks her mother, she asks Lauren, if she can help her. So she puts her hands on the, the nose sucker too and brings it to her nostril and she, she she puts up with it. I give her a lot of credit. She things that she doesn't like doing if she knows she's ha- she's got to do it. She um 
she she puts up with it and and yeah and then afterwards she loves you okay you want to see all the ewes okay we pop it open and she looks at all the snot she's like and we all look at each other like ew and she goes okay okay all done (laughs) yeah so yes all done all right so i i've never done the that thing but you know what i have seen i have seen people put the the saline injection the saline injection right into one nostril and in one pump they pump the whole thing in and it comes out the other end and boom it looks amazing i have a navage i have a navage it's the the thing that you put up to your not and it it puts the saline all the way through in like 30 seconds it feeds it feeds it through i was using that a lot during the um the pollen season back in may or whenever the hell i was just checked out for a whole week it was it was mother's day weekend and that was pretty good i thought i i had that navage on the on the shelf for a couple of years and i never wanted to touch it because i thought i was going to choke to have all that come through and what it's like a neti pot but it's it's uh, electronic and i did just fine it's pretty good All right, anyway. One last one over here. We have on Foxhole. Thank you to Robert Sarns, Chai Possum, Sean Joe, uh, Stone Roller, Omazon, Balls. Balls. Oh, I'm sorry, Bales. Bales. Ranger Billy and Chai Possum again. And Captain Flint, you guys have been fantastic. I'm releasing the scratching right now, and we are just about done with tonight's show. All right, so here's my little story for you. A parable of the fisherman and the businessman. Maybe some of you need to hear this tonight. I don't know. But since we're, I've been asked to keep telling stories, I grabbed this one, and here we have it. In a small coastal village, there is a fisherman who owns a small rowboat. One afternoon, after fishing all morning, he returns to the shore with his boat full of fish. A vacationing businessman sees the fisherman and is impressed. He says, how long does it take you to catch so many fish, he says. Oh, just a couple of hours, the fisherman says. The businessman immediately sees a business opportunity. He offers to invest money in the fisherman, enough to buy a bigger boat and to set up his company, supplying fish to every restaurant in the village. The fisherman says, and then what? The businessman says... We'll set up a production plant and distribute fish to restaurants around the world. The fisherman replies, and then what? The businessman says, eventually the business will be so big that we'll sell it for a huge sum of money. The fisherman replies, and then what? The businessman then says, you'll have so much money that you'll be able to do whatever you want. You can retire, you can move to a house by the sea and fish as much as you'd like. And the fisherman was confused and says, isn't that what I already do? So just a reminder that the ability to do what you want for as long as you want is priceless and often inexpensive because so many of us really take uh, take joy in the little things in life. I think that goes back to what we were discussing with Walter Zolna last last Thursday. Uh, even if you have that nine to five, the weekends are yours. Go find yourself a trail, find yourself a something to do and uh, and and soak it all up. Soak it all up and don't overcomplicate. It's definitely something I need to keep in mind. But um, I hope you enjoyed tonight's program, and tomorrow we'll do more of the same. We have Really Graceful joining us at 7.30, so I will see you then. Good night, everybody. Be well, and take care of yourselves.
the night. And always remember, that's... Quite frankly, is film before a live studio audience. And now our super chatters, starting with Witchy Poo, MX2D, Shake and Bake, Jenna from South Carolina, Stostube, Katie Sky, Pete F., Phil's WW. To all of our friends on the Rumble Rants and on the Gold Pills, we will see you tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. In the meantime, go to quitefrankly.tv, check out all of our wonderful affiliates, and become a sponsor. That's right. Become a monthly sponsor. I'd love to call you a boss. Take care. I hate cat. You're a kitty cat? You're a ton. Hello. I'm a kitty cat as well. <laughs>